Hi, campers. It's Lauren Marie Taylor, and you are listening to the Not the Final Girl podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. In part two of Fast Times with Amanda Wiss, we chat about the art of acting and what it was like for Amanda to be on set with so many great film and TV actors across a variety of genres throughout her career. Amanda also details her transition from being cast as the pretty girlfriend or wife, albeit kooky at times, and she'll talk about that, to becoming a character actress. Shout out to our Patreons, Anne, Julie, and Tom, for their support of this Not the Final Girl podcast. Let's go. Last Times is another one where Amy Heckerling just had this amazing eye, not for just for talent, but for chemistry. Mm-hmm. And because like in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, every single actor in that movie either went on to be a huge movie star, mm-hmm. like a journeyman character actor like me, or left the business and is hugely successful. That is it. There are no in-betweens. That is that. Is that. It's just insane. And... Then the same, like, Savage Steve Holland when he did Better Off Dead. Like, we're all still friends. And it's, it's, it's an interesting way to read the room when actors come in to go, I really get that person and all these people are going to jive well together. I think for the most part, that has not been my experience. I think people are like, I like how she looks and they don't take into account, like, the chemistry with the other people. And I right. think it makes for, a, you know, I just think, chemistry on film is so important or as you know as actors I mean you might have had this experience on the soap opera for years it takes so much more energy to manufacture some sort of chemistry with somebody when you don't have it it's I find it exhausting I mean it's what I'm paid to do and I'm happy anytime I'm working no Mm -hmm. matter what I am like you will think I am so in love with this person that you are gonna be like oh my god I wish I was them yeah and it and and then people ask you well it was so believable did you really you know have a relationship with them He's like, no, we're acting. Yeah, we're acting. We're acting. In fact, we didn't even get along. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes it better. You know, um, better. before Fast Times at Ridgemont High, you worked consistently on episodic TV. But do you consider 1982 with Fast Times your breakout year? Uh, you know what? I don't think I ever broke out. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I think... I think there was potential for me to break out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm grateful for my long career, and I, I, I've had the opportunity to keep working. But I never, like, made that leap into the next level. And I don't know if it's that I didn't – I mean, this is to be completely candid. If I just didn't believe in myself enough mm-hmm. or if I didn't have proper mentorship, mm-hmm. you know, if I didn't know how to network or choose the right people or – say and do the right thing like I I felt like maybe mentor wise I didn't have kind of the right finishing school type thing that you need as a young actor in Mm. some ways or you know or it just wasn't meant to be I'm not sure but I don't know that I ever broke out I think I was given especially in those early 80s just great opportunity after opportunity and I believed that I did the best I could with all those opportunities but I they never sort of went to the next level but I am grateful for all that opportunity but I, I think that you know those things did lead to things like right after fast times I did a 
big TV movie called My Mother's Secret Life, and it was initially supposed to play Farrah Fawcett's daughter. And we had the table read at ABC, and she was very upset, and she was very cold to me, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. I was very young. And then I got a call that she had left the project because she had said, you know, either you fire her. She just she thought I looked too old to play her daughter. Oh my! And ABC Circle Films kept me, and then hired Lonnie Anderson to play the mom, who is, and I was crushed because I'm huge. I mean, I had the Farrah Fawcett poster over my bed like my entire <laughs> youth. I just was like, I just want to be Farrah Fawcett. And then I was like, well, now I don't want to be you. You you hate me, um, but. Lonnie Anderson was the most beautiful human I've ever seen on the face of the planet. Or still, she's still alive. I'm still in touch with her. She's amazing. And we had the best time. And anyway, at the time, it was like the highest watched TV movie ever for a couple of years. Or some, I might be exaggerating, but it was some big whoop de doo And Wes had seen it. And that's why he brought me in for A Nightmare on Elm Street. So, ah. like, all those little things add up to, like, how you have the Friday the 13th. Like, they just they live on because the fans are so loyal and there's something about those stories that are timeless yeah. at the same time. And, um, anyway, so I kind of feel like, you know, um, so no, I don't think I ever had a breakout year, but I'm hoping this year's the breakout year. <laughs> okay. This year. Well, let me give you a little list of some of the other actors that you've worked with. Okay. You ready for this? It's, I'm going to give you the short list. Okay. Okay. John Cusack, Roddy McDowell, Lance Hendrickson, Johnny Depp, Mark Hamill, Adrian Barbeau, Trace Adkins, Tony Todd, Bruce Stern, Mira Sor- Sorvino, and that's just the short list. It doesn't even include the people you've worked with on television. I mean, have you ever reflected on on that company that you kept? You know what? I pinch myself sometimes um, <laughs> when I'm on a set. I, I got to do a TV movie with Robert Mitchum, oh, wow. and I remember walking on set, and he, he's old school. And he stood up and introduced himself to me. Yeah. And um, he asked if I wanted a cup of coffee. And I was like, no, thank you, sir. I'm fine. <laughs> I was like, whoa, you sit down, sir. I got this. <laughs> I'll get you coffee. <laughs> I'll get you coffee. You're Robert Mitchum, in case you forgot. Um, so, no, I I know. I, I, I have had such good fortune as far as like acting cohorts and people to play in the sandbox with, like I've had the best of the best. And sometimes I, I go, this is better than all my acting. I mean, not all my acting classes because I, I love acting school too, because it keeps you fresh during the downtime. But, um, that's the one thing I was, I don't know what you tell. I know we get asked all the time, like, what's your advice about actors? Yeah. And I say, stay in acting school and keep it fresh, keep it real, learn read books about yeah. the industry and then go out and live your life. So you have something interesting to bring to the table. Yep. But, um, yes, I, I don't, I, I, that has been some fluke, amazing <laughs> draw of good fortune. Cause even in some of the indies I've done, like I did this little, I got to work in George Harrison's last film, uh. Palo Alto Highway and work with all these brilliant Native American actors, and I was I would like, and it was based on a true story. And I played this crazy Texan named Rabbit Layton, and I got to go on this road trip with like A. Martinez, Gary oh, yeah. Farmer, Wes Studi, 
um, Graham Greene, and we're all still friends. And I'm like, and meet George Harrison. Yeah. I'm like, wait, what? Is oh my God. Life? So, yes, even though I've never broken out, I, I, under the radar, get to work with literally like pinch myself people yeah everyone people yeah yeah did you ever um have like a um oh how do i want to phrase this like a master class moment during filming with any of those people um i have to say the first time that happened to me that i was really aware of that happening to me was on the set of silverado and Uh my first scene was with linda hunt oh wow oh my god she just (laughs) walked in and I mean I got kids I get goosebumps she was so kind to me because I I was very nervous I was just yeah. freaking nervous and I I couldn't shake it and um she grabbed my hand and I remember thinking she had the softest most beautiful hands I'd ever felt in my oh. entire life <laughs> and then I was like sidebar that's what I thought and then she looked at me and she was like she called me my character and she goes, you've got, you've got this, Phoebe. And she looked at me in a way, she sent some sort of magic juju inside of me. Uh-huh. But watching her work and the way she commanded, she's like four foot nine, four foot Yeah, nine. she's she tiny. She commanded Brian Dennehy, Jeff Goldblum, <gasps> um, John uh, Cleese, like, she she drove the scene. She drove the scene, and it was an air and an attitude and belief. I, and the way she would hit certain words when she spoke yeah. and her enunciation, and that was but that whole movie was a masterclass. And I would do a scene with Kevin Klein and oh, that's right, Kevin was Klein. So physical, yeah, you know, and he would and Kevin Costner too, so physical. So that was the first time I was aware of pay attention drop in, be in the zone, because yeah. these people won't let me down, and they won't let me let me down, yeah. or them down, and that was the first time I was super aware of that, and then there's been, you know, a few other times since then where you go, this is freaking magic, and I'm I'm on this river of magic with this person. Have you had that? I mean, obviously, working with Belushi and Ackroyd and their comic geniuses and, yeah. you know, the director, John Alvidson, he was Academy Award winner. And just to watch his process of creativity, it was just so very cool. Um, yeah. And just allowing uh, the actors to be and allowing the words to speak for themselves. You know, it's something that I took away when I started directing our local theater here to be able to oh, do wow. that with my actors and, you know, multi-generational, not just little children or, you know, um, right. adults. So that was that was kind of cool to watch and learn how to let go uh, both from the production side and then also as from the acting side. That was very very cool. And I did have the opportunity to work with some of the very old school actors. Um, it, it was just incredible to work with like people like Celeste Holm, uh, Wesley Addy. Oh yeah, I mean these are movie Whoa. stars from yeah. you know a long time ago and. It's fascinating to watch really great seasoned actors work. Yes, and you know, I have to say, especially where you are in New York and this and being getting to work on the soaps, um, that all those actors, for the most part, were theater trained, and I think that's mm-hmm. where they learned to like pick a phrase or pick a word to hit, and the way they move their bodies and 
the uh, you know the ability to command command attention not demanded mm-hmm. they're not they're just commanded and it's just it's really beautiful and that you're that is a master class and being being able to improvise too when you're stuck you to know your character so well from playing a character in the theater night after night on a soap opera year after year you know your character so well that if you find yourself drawing a blank with the script you can improvise until you get back on track because you just yes. know their heart and their mind so yes. deeply. It's true. I think I, I've noticed, um, you know, the last couple of things I've done, I've worked with like younger up-and-coming actors, and, or not, you know, younger talent that, that are already there. They're probably not even up-and-coming for all we know. They're <laughs> like gazillionaire influencers. I don't know. <laughs> but there's a diff- definite change amongst those quite a few that I've worked with where they they're misconstruing that being natural you don't need to really know your minds or rehearse because you want to be natural and they're they're I think they're misunderstanding that a lot of the actors that they think are really natural that freedom comes after you know your lines mm-hmm. backwards and forwards and rehearse the crap out of it mm-hmm. then you let all that go and then you just get all loose it isn't not knowing your lines and not rehearsing and so I, I I'm like oh this is this is disappointing <laughs> I, you know I work with you I'm glad to hear you say that because um, my dog oh, <laughs> it's a funny story but my dog actually is a TV dog and yeah this is the second one that I've had working on TV my other one Jack he was on Law and Order a lot and then he was on a lot of up and coming shows like Almost Family uh, Manifest and whatnot. and what I noticed was a pattern with again I don't want to say younger actors because they have great gigs on TV you know obviously they know what they're doing but the dropping of the dialogue would shock me yeah I mean that's just something that we never thought to do we never thought to not come prepared to set no well in my era your era we would have been fired yes it's just a different time <laughs> like we would have been i mean i don't know about you but i remember especially like for sitcoms the table reads were so stressful because mm-hmm. people got fired right and left they'd be like oh, wow, she sucked at the table read and you're like you know, so even when you got past, you still had to get past the table read. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so there was a thing like, know your line, show, show up prepared. And, you know, it's just a different time. And I think a lot of, especially indies and, and uh, you know, pe- they use people that have a lot of social media influence because it's free publicity. Yeah. So I think they're, you know, whether the person wants to put in the work it doesn't really matter and I say you know hats off to them that you you know you're making millions of dollars a year on on Instagram I'm like I wish I was I wish I was making a million dollars a year on Instagram um so I I like really admire them for that business acumen but sometimes on the set I'm like oh my gosh please learn your lines because it's you know it's it's I just don't want to try to figure out how to do a scene with somebody that doesn't know their lines. Yeah. I'm old and I'm tired. I don't want to. And it's a lot easier as a director to help somebody in their scene if they've got their lines memorized. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Oh my gosh. I remember watching, I I saw kind of a rite of passage in LA was to do an episode of um, Murder, She Wrote. Oh yeah. With Angela Lansbury. Yeah. And she 
was a master class in television. I mean, obviously, she's a brilliant stage actor and a movie star, but she had, I mean, she, her, she had, you know, more experience in her pinky than all I have in my whole career. But <laughs> she, the way she knew how to work the camera and the lights, mm-hmm. I remember watching her and, you know, she didn't really look at the people when she was talking to them in the scene. And it was, I was very young and I was really distracted by it. And then when I saw it, she looked like she's looking at the people, but it was how to capture her, the light in her eyes. Yeah. And I stole everything I learned from her. <laughs> like, I always look at people's ear. <laughs> the camera's over the shoulder. It looks just like I'm looking at him, but you see my face and my eyes are all sparkly. And uh, that's an Angela Lansbury. I learned that from her. And, um, you know, and it's just really surreptitious things like how to hit your mark and even glance at it without glancing at it and just these things. And I was like, yeah. I got paid to learn how to do how to do set, yeah. how to do soundstage from Angela Lansbury. She was amazing. She yeah. was also very kind. Such very nice. a talented talented woman I saw her in Sweeney Todd on Broadway and oh my god what an experience I had to go back and back again just to get that experience I would have loved to have seen her on stage I've seen all of her movies and stuff yeah so beautiful and funny and wicked a wicked sense of humor yeah in in that old in that like that era that body era where it's still classy but body. Speaking of body, let's talk about Beth and Better Off Dead. <laughs> uh, okay, very serious high school social climber, you know, to get to, you know, to the prom queen thing yes. type of girl. When you toss poor John Cusack's picture into the garbage, did you, as Amanda, feel any guilt? <laughs> that is a funny question. Um, just a tiny bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was so used to playing I mean, as a younger actor, I either played like a victim or I was a mean girl. Like, yeah. Really no in between. I just, and Beth was just such a mean girl. It was just kind of fun. And she was just so like, this is a lot of work to stay popular and you're not helping me. <laughs> you're, you're not the elevator I need to get where I need to go. So she was just like, you know, it was just so funny. I was like, wow, I wish I had more Beth in me. I'd have been more, more successful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if Beth, um, if they had social media when Beth was in high school way back then, uh, what would her uh, Instagram handle be today? Oh my God, that's so good. Yeah. It would be, um, oh my God, I don't even know something about taking Beth out. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know. De lovely, delightful, delightful and de lovely. Um, yes, she'd be a huge influencer and and probably be in trouble every now and then for like, I think Beth, no, I don't think she'd have been an online bully. She'd been too busy, like selling lip gloss and, <laughs> and, and <laughs> yeah, she would become an influencer. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So we talked about your body of work, which is tremendous. Um, my husband and I watched uh, Badland from 2019. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, my husband said, cause I said, you know what? Hey, guess who I'm talking to today? And he said, can you please tell her that I thought she was fantastic in that movie? Thank you, because I loved my part in it. And that means so much to me that he said that, I have to tell you. Because I freaking love Westerns, and I was so excited to do it. And and, and to meet all those people and to get to work with them and be on the set with them was amazing. So are you surprised that after all this time, you found yourself in movies that call for you to present yourself as more... um, as more of a character actress. 
I am a full-on character actor. I, you know, I rarely, even when I was younger, I was just, and I think it's more my attitude or lack of self-confidence. <laughs> I don't even know. But I was rarely cast as the beautiful, um, I mean, I, I got to play the beautiful wife of Mark Hamill in this movie. Yeah. But then you find out, spoiler alert, I'm like into voodoo and I'm crazy. Like, so I'll play the beautiful woman, but she's a hooker. Or <laughs> she's secretly a heroin addict. Or I am the lawyer, but I'm about to be disbarred because I murdered someone. Like, I'm just, I never just a straight up pretty person. And yet, now at this age, I just, am, I'm, I play like crazy people and down and out people and that, you know, everybody, you know, every, I'm almost dying now and everything, you know, because I'm at that age. Yeah, we are. So, so, <laughs> I'm, yeah, like I need a heart transplant or whatever. And, you know, in a way, I think it's an easier transition with aging, mm-hmm. maybe, because I'm not expected to be something that is hard to hang on to. Does yeah. that make sense? It does. And, um, but yes, it would be so much fun to like get to be all dolled up and be like the lawyer on a TV show or the wife of the head of the TV show or whatever. And, um, yeah. And then I'm like, God, I guess I'm just, am I too quirky? I'm not sure, but it is what it is. And, um, yes, that's a great question. I'm not surprised by it. Mm-hmm. And I, I even call myself a character actress. I think I'm like, you know, uh, an attractive character. Actor. Yes, absolutely. That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm attractive enough that, you know, maybe hook somebody in or whatever. I, I don't know. But even if I wasn't, I'd still be playing those roles. What about you? Do you find like you're, because you're so beautiful. Oh, you're you too kind. Like, do you play more just, you play more like the straight up lawyer kind of person, I think. Um, actually I, uh, in, uh, 2000, 2001 ish. I, uh, I broke away from acting and started teaching first grade. That's fantastic. That's so beautiful that you did something that's so meaningful and helps the world. You're, you're creating an environment to, for people to go out in the world, knowing more, feeling better contributing more. That's yeah. amazing. Aw, thanks. Well, listen, I don't want to keep you forever. I just have a few, like, just quick, quick, quick type of questions. Okay. Okay. What is the most cringeworthy scene in any of your movies or on a TV show that you've had? Oh, my gosh. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I was I was doing a horror film that would go unnamed, and it was just the director doing my close-up through the blood in my face and it got my eyes. He was an amateur person. And I I was like, I was just, and I remember just standing there going, this is not how my career is going to (laughs) go. I was just like, I was so disgusted with the whole experience. It just felt, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed that I'm here. Okay. There's that. Okay. Uh, What is the role that you are most recognized for? Probably it's a toss up between Tina and Nightmare on Elm Street and mm-hmm. Beth and Better Off Dead. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, favorite movies? Any genre? <gasps> um, well, um, okay, this doesn't make me sound super um, intellectual, but I love, love actually. Oh my God. The Holiday and yeah. I love Notting Hill. They're my three go to movies. They're on, they're just, they just, when I just need a little something, something, I put one of those on. Yeah, agreed. Mine, mine is uh, legally blonde. 
Oh, I love that. And the Devil Wears Prada. Oh, my God. I love that one, too. Okay, those are my second tier. <laughs> we're, we're same thing with the, I think it's, yeah, the go-to. And now, obviously, there's brilliant movies that I love, like Apocalypse Now. Oh, yes. Godfather. Things oh. where I go, they're brilliant movies. But my personal go-to to chill out is a rom-com. If you could play a classic movie role, who would it be? Oh my gosh, that's so amazing that you should say that. I would love to play Barbara Stanwyck in Double Indemnity. Perfect. I just would freaking love that. And also Betty Davis in um, Voyager. Has there ever been a major role that you auditioned for that got away? Yes, I tested for the Meg Ryan role in Top Gun. I mean, I wouldn't say it got away. She's brilliant and filled with light, and I probably would have cast her as well. (laughs) But um, I was like, oh, well, coulda, woulda, (laughs) shoulda. Yeah. Now, you've won some awards. Yes, I won Best Supporting Actress for Badland. Oh, yeah. They call them the C&I Movie Awards, Uh and they're sort of geared toward or they are geared towards westerns mm-hmm. so I, I i was felt very proud and i was like thank you very much and then i won um uh, an i a horror icon award from the renegade film festival which is the first female horror film festival and it's now in its fifth year oh. uh, it's based out of atlanta nice and i think i think that's it do you have any uh projects coming up that um the fans can look forward to Oh my gosh, you're so sweet. Um, I am doing a tiny little sweet TV series. It's an indie TV series that airs on Amazon Prime through a subsidiary, mm-hmm. and it's called The Resonator Miskatonic U. It takes place in the HP Lovecraft universe of Miskatonic University. I play Professor McMichaels, and um, it's you know there's monsters and it's supernatural and. It's it's really fun and it's creepy and it, you know all the the younger actors are gorgeous mm-hmm. and talented and brilliant and I mean and they wear these really cute little uniforms that kind of looks like Vampire Diaries or <laughs> The Gossip Girl actually mm-hmm. and so it's very fun it looks great and then I was just on an episode of The Rookie I play a woman in need of a heart transplant oh wow I'm, I'm old no you're old. And, We're old. uh, But the thing that was fun in in a weird way doing The Rookie was I really didn't, they brushed my hair and they didn't even really put powder on them. I curled my eyelashes and we put like Carmex on my lips. And I was like, oh, gone are the days where people spend an hour doing my makeup. It was so freeing at the same time. Like I was like you know what, this is great. And then when I watched it, I was like, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't hate how I looked with no makeup on film. I was like, I mean, I don't love it, but I, I thought I was going to look like, you know, the elephant man. Or something. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, okay, so that, this is my new career. So it, it was yeah. But it was appropriate for the characters, though, you know. hundred <laughs> percent. And I think because, like, you know, you're probably in the same place, too. Like, I, I'm not fighting for that. Like, I'm not fighting for the mascara or whatever. No. I'm fighting, I'm fighting for the camera angles. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't care if you put makeup on. What is one thing that fans would be really surprised to know about you? Well, I think the horror fans are always surprised that I love romantic comedies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know that much about the horror world. 
I mean, and I'm so, I mean, a great role is a great role, and yeah. I don't care what genre it's in. I, I love sci-fi, too. And if if one of the big, like Mike Flanagan or one of these, somebody at Blumhouse was like, Amanda, come be in our horror film, I would love it. But I'm not offered great roles in horror from those guys. Yeah. Um. So I think they'd be surprised that I'm actually um, a rom-com girl woman, <laughs> person. <Yeah. laughs> now, you have a website that people can go to to see what's coming up. What What's your website and how do people find you on social media? Oh, thank you. Yeah, my website is amandawist.com. Mm-hmm. It's just that. And it's, you know, it's just, yeah, like upcoming stuff. Um, then on Twitter, I'm underscore Amanda Wist. And on Instagram, I think I'm just Amanda Wist. And then <laughs> Facebook, I think that's right. And then Facebook, it's literally just my family and friends. Like, I, I don't really go on it that much. It's just a way to keep track. Like, to stay in touch with, like, a lot of my family lives in Ireland. So, oh. you know, it's a way that we can all stay in touch. And um, so I don't, I, I don't even look at friend requests on there. So don't, it's not personal it's just it's just it's a it's a way that it's a family page yeah yeah so yeah I wouldn't want to be on it anyway <laughs> <That's boring. laughs> but um I love Instagram and Twitter so those are my two places I hope that our paths cross physically I would really really like to see you in person so I'm hoping that that one of these days that happens I hope so too and I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast it's uh it's really sweet having you here and thank you thank you for having me and 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 this wonderful um conversation and I hope it's to be continued at a later date next when we actually meet in person Okay, so that's cool to have Amanda Wiss on the show for part two to get our spooky October started. So thanks again to her for joining us on the Not the Final Girl podcast. Don't forget, you can find Amanda on Twitter at underscore Amanda Wiss. On Instagram, she's just at Amanda Wiss. And you can check out her website, amandawiss.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Lauren Marie Taylor one That's the number one behind my name. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Don't forget to keep your doors locked and stay out of the woods. <laughs>